This is Dune Talk, a DuneNewsNet.com production. Join us now for the latest Dune news, reactions, and lively discussions. Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Dune Talk. Here on the official show of DuneNewsNet.com, we cover everything happening in the universe of Dune. Today we have news on the movies and books, as well as collectibles rumors. One of those rumors poses an intriguing question. Will Gurney Halleck get his revenge against Raban in Dune Part 2? This is Marcus Gabriel, your editor at DuneNewsNet.com, and I'm here with the other Dune Talk regulars. Hey, it's Garen. Uh, great to be back. Uh, just excited to talk about some of these uh, more ancillary kind of rumors and things related to the movie. So just excited to be a part of the group. Johnny Sobchak here again, and uh, thank you all for joining us. It's been a fun few weeks here on the show. and. Yeah, as Garen said, kind of just going through the rumor mill once again and excited to hear everyone's thoughts today. Hey, Simon here. Uh, definitely rumor time, but I'm excited that we get some movie news and some other news because if you know me, you know I love action figures. So I'm going to get to nerd out in a little bit talking about these figures. Dune Movie News. So uh, back in April, I, I wrote an article on dunewsnet.com about um, Dune Part 1, The Photography by Chiabella James. Uh, we haven't discussed it here on the show yet. So this is the deluxe hardcover book. Um, it's from Inside Editions, uh, featuring the unit photographer's very best shots uh, taken throughout the first movie's production. So you remember, like, they filmed across many countries, so from the Nor Norwegian coast uh, to the deserts of, of Jordan and United Arab Emirates. Uh, so um, uh, Chiabella had direct access to the film sets and all members of Villeneuve's cast and crew, allowing her to capture a wealth of details and precious moments. She was recently interviewed by Forbes and commented regarding how unique the movie's production was. So uh, quoting uh, her, I've spent my whole life on film sets, but the difference on Dune was the atmosphere amongst the cast and crew. The tone of the whole experience was of respect, collaboration, and creative expression which gave space and opportunity for crew like myself to work with the freedom to push our boundaries and show our best. The photographer also talked about the practical challenges of getting good images in the movie's real outdoor sets. The most difficult images to get are usually the ones in extreme conditions like the sandstorms or the rain. It's hard enough to find a great angle when you're squeezing your way on into a film set, trying to stay out of the way of cameras and crew working to shoot the scene, but add the practicalities of sand and rain whipping in your face seeping into your equipment and obscuring your image. And a challenge to get a great image is intensified exponentially. Uh, Johnny, starting with you, two questions. Have you already pre-ordered this book? And what are your thoughts regarding those comments? Yeah, so I actually haven't pre-ordered it and I probably will not because I did get the limited edition uh, making of Dune, Art and Soul of Dune the, for the first film. And that came with, which is, I guess at the time was exclusive and to some degree still exclusive, a version of this book with some of those private photographs and some essentially poetry from Josh Brolin, um, which was also really interesting. I have looked through that book. Um, I haven't gone through it page by page just yet. I'll probably do that closer to the release of part two. Um, but from what I've seen, and and I don't know how different they'll be um, if there are differences, but just really you know, beautiful photography, as you would expect, um, kind of some collaboration, obviously, between 
uh, what Greg Frazier did uh, in his own photography and then what uh, James has done and obviously her own images in, in this new release. Um, so I'm excited. I'll definitely, um, you know, I'll, I'll be curious to see and hear what you guys think of it, if any of you get it. Um, and maybe that'll that'll sway me into actually getting it because I'm sure there'll be some overlap or similarities between the two. But um, it's really cool, I think, that they're kind of going the extra mile with some of these materials and taking advantage of all the different photography and documentation that goes into a lot of these high profile, big budget movies. Because there's so much stuff that the fans will never see or hear about, not just Dune, but any large scale production from the set photographers and all the different artists involved that they basically keep as their own personal tokens a lot of times, or maybe is used in some promotional material, but uh, a lot of it kind of just goes, you know, into the the ether. And so I think it's really cool that they're um, giving us a chance to get a behind the curtain kind of look. And um, there's plenty of more books and, and uh, art and, and pictures I'm sure that are going to come, especially for part two on the horizon. So Definitely looking forward to getting that new stuff for part two, but uh, I think this is really cool for anyone that's still yearning for some Dune part one uh, images and more uh, insight, to, especially James's kind of experience in the movie making. Yeah, and it's good you brought up the Josh Brolin book because that was exclusive to the limited edition, but it, and this hasn't been officially announced, but it, it has been listed for for sale, like I think just uh, this month. So I have to have to check yeah. if the, if it's actually in stock or not. Um, like, like, uh, Johnny is how, how big is, is that book? That book is, and that, that's another thing. I don't know how big this James book is going to be, but the book with Frazier and Brolin's materials, not very big. It's not like a coffee table book. It's more of like a small, like diary size book. Um, but the quality of the images and the pages and everything's really nice. So I'm sure it'll be pretty similar for this. I think that that book is maybe 50, 60 pages or so. Um, I'm not sure the page count on this one is, but uh, like I said, I'll, I'll be curious to see what the overlap in, is as far as like the material and the photographs and whatnot, the style. Yeah, so so this one is going to be a full full coffee table uh, size book, I guess similar to the Art, Art and Soul of book itself, and it's 282 pages. So I guess there might be some overlap, but it sounds like there's a lot of images that are going to be exclusive, like first time to this book as well. You know, I I really love the fact that uh, Chiabella James was, she mentions, or she's quoted in this article in Forbes, that she was given the creative space to be able to use her talent and her artistic ability in a, in a way that allowed her to capture uh, a lot of the, the creative energy that was going on on set. And just these, these shots that we see in the, in the Forbes article, what I love about this is you know, when I was a when I was a kid, and I I would I would wait for the new Star Wars movie to come out, and and they would have like a a, a collector's edition magazine. This is way back before everyone was born, and and I would <laughs> love to get those because they would have these images from from Empire Strikes Back or whatever. And you know, we didn't have social media and the internet back then, and and I used to just really cherish those behind the scenes or those other shots on set because that was something I'd never seen before, even though I may love this film and being familiar with it. So I love that we already have this out. I realize it's it's been some time before part since part one came out. But just looking at some of these images are like like the the Sardaukar images, and these are not the images that we've seen in the film, right? it's It's a little different angle or it's a little different 
uh, lighting or, or something's a little different. And I just love that there's this creative genius in Villeneuve and he's created this, this experience that we see on film or on a screen, but there's other derivative creative works that can come from this, like, like this book and like these images that she's captured. And I, I just, I love that, that whole concept of there's a lot of different ways to see and experience a, a creative uh, project like this. So just uh, really fascinating to me. And the whole article was, was really fascinating to me. So, you know, I, I would like to get this, this book because it really does just give me a new angle into this uh, movie experience. Garen, I actually remember those kind of like Starlog type of magazines, <laughs> yeah. you know, being the big sci-fi nerd growing up, being the big horror guy, I used to get Fangoria and seeing like just the makeup, like skin people dressed up in like makeup and all that. I'm super excited about this book. Like I haven't pre-ordered it yet, but I will in the near future. Like I love all those art books like the art of, you know, doing part one, the art of, like, I have all the Disney Star Wars ones. And, you know, I love the format. Also, it's kind of like widescreen. So you get more of the feel and scope than just a normal size book. And if the book looks like anything like the preview pages that we've seen, I also love how simple the design is of the book, like how you can really look at two images side by side and just really feel what they were going through when they were taking those pictures. And what's really important in productions, and I remember this very well from film school, I remember feed your cast and crew, like that they'll be happy. And also take a lot of pictures because when you're on set, you're not gonna have time to really enjoy that moment. And as someone that loves photography and I'm always taking pictures of random stuff, I think it's great that they made this and the artwork and just the photography looks amazing. And also it comes out a little bit before part two. So it's bringing back people to Arrakis and being like, hey, remember Dune from a couple of years ago? <laughs> well, guess what? Part two is coming out. The book hits in August, you said, Marcus, right? Yeah, so it's an updated uh, release date. It was going to release in July, but now it's uh, releasing on August 15th. So a couple of weeks couple of weeks before part two comes out you know so I think it's great like people just walking around the bookstores you know and hopefully Barnes and Noble gets their stuff together and puts out Dune again and puts out this art book puts out the art and soul of Dune and just remind people hey Dune part two is coming out. James just I know I think the first time I heard her name was back when they were doing the initial photos or releasing before the movie got delayed the first time, I think back in 2020 um, and getting to see those images. And I think it was like total film or empire magazine. Um, so she uh, is someone who I've been kind of, uh, I don't follow her on Instagram, but I have seen a lot of her posts and keep up with her from time to time or check in time to time. Uh, Greg Frazier has reposted and like shared her you know work before and given her praise and Rebecca Ferguson has done the same. So you know, cast and crew involved, you know, have highlighted her. And so I think it's really cool. I think that probably has given her a platform to get the opportunity to do a book like this. The Duneverse, books, comics, games, collectibles, and more. 
A new Dune novel hits the shelves on October 3rd, exactly one month before Dune Part 2 premieres in theaters. Princess of Dune features two characters who play key roles in the movie. Of course, it's uh, Princess Irlan and Shani. This prequel explores the backstories of those two young women, uh, the former having been trained as a Bene Gesserit sister, and the latter having been brought up in the Fremen mystical ways by an ancient reverend mother. So looking at the timeline, it looks like this book will take place prior to the events of the recent Caledon trilogy. So those three books were taking place really within one year before Dune. And uh, we'll get to see Irulan navigating the complex politics of the Imperium. Uh, Heir to the Golden Lion throne, she's seen to have a key role to play through marriage uh, with you know all these many factions that are seeking uh, power. So she has to yeah, manage uh, all that going on and prevent that she becomes... Uh, upon out of control uh, herself. And then meanwhile, uh, on Arrakis, uh, Chani learns of the Fremen ecological dreams from her father, Liet Kynes, and she has to stand up to the oppressive rule of the Harkonnens. This uh, book's cover has been revealed this past week. So again, we have uh, art by Matt Griffin, um, and he's basically gone for the same look as the characters from the movie, although it's, of course, not the exact likenesses of uh, Florence Pugh and uh, Zendaya. So, uh, Garen, when you think of the cover and these uh, descriptions, uh, like, th does that pique your interest? Are you planning to to read this book? Yeah, I, I have not read all of the uh, the the Caladan series, um, just the first one. And um, you know, in terms of your your question of what do I think of the the art and the, and the cover, um, I actually like that they're tying this in to uh, Villeneuve's films, uh, but not. Maybe there's some IP reasons why they can't use, uh, you know, Zendaya's image and and Florence Pugh's image like on the cover. They, there's there's probably some legal reasons why. But in terms of it connecting to the the film series, I'm I'm really pleased about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of like I I enjoyed that the first Kellan uh, book that I read, and I I think I would really like this because these are two characters that I. That I really care about, and you know, they're they're the informal love of of uh, Paul and the formal love of Paul, right? So these are the two women that that are the uh, the ones connected to him, uh, the closest. Irulan in in sort of only name only, right? And he and Paul makes that very clear to Irulan uh, what her role will be in the book, um, and I'm sure that will come out in part two. But I just think it's interesting that the uh, Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson are kind of taking the angle of the prequel of these two important characters and and kind of doing some more uh, detail in filling out the backstory. So so yeah, in, in terms of fans who really like to go into the depth of the history and what leads up into the you know the the canonical books uh, by Frank Herbert, you know, they get it right. I mean, both Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson, they add in new things, right? They 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 come at it from an angle that maybe you didn't expect, but they really try hard to stay true, you know, to to the canon and, and to the main characters and and what the characters would do in that situation. So, yeah, um, I mean, I, I'm getting behind in all of my uh, further expansion books, but yeah, I think this would be a fascinating read. Yeah, I was a big fan of the Duke of Caldan, the Lady of Caldan. I don't 
really remember listening or reading that audiobook. And the hair Caledan, the Paul one, came out last year when I was busy being in the hospital. So I need to finish reading that. But um, this one I'm really intrigued by. And what I would love is like you get one chapter of Aaron, one chapter of Chani, but somehow by the end, you see how they're kind of connected somehow without even bringing Paul or the Atreides into any of the sentences, especially for Chani. I feel like there shouldn't be any mention of any Atreides. Aaron, there should be because, you know, the Duke, they know about the royal houses, but I'm interested in that cover is just gorgeous. And that artist, I, I seriously think is one of the best artists around for any book covers or anything. At least Dune Expansion Universe isn't as bad as the old Star Wars universe where there was like 20 books a year for a while where it was like, come on, I just got done reading one book. I'm happy that as someone that likes hardcovers, I'm going to have all four of these hardcovers. The other ones are now coming out in paperback. And once again, comes out a little bit before part two. So if people pick up this book, it'll introduce Erlon more. And look, I always make the joke that Paul doesn't care about Erlon, but I'm, I want to know more about Erlon. That's something I really enjoyed about the sci-fi miniseries in the 2000s. That we kind of got more of her story and where she comes from. Yeah, I think everyone knows at this point that I'm the least expanded of the Dune <laughs> fans in this in this group. Uh, but I, you know, just off on a surface level, I think the art is pretty interesting. Um, obviously, it's not a direct likeness to Florence Pugh or Zendaya, as we've mentioned, but definitely draws the comparison or, you know, there's a similarity there at least. Um, and I, I think, yeah, the timing of it and everything is pretty interesting. Again, I do like, even if I'm not a fan myself or if I don't actively read these stories or, or whatnot, it, it's nice to see there's like a synergy on some level between everything. Um, and uh, I think that just is good for the fans to try and see everything, uh, not in, even connection necessarily, but that there's some sort of continuity or uniformity. It's just, again, as far as the story is, I won't read this book <laughs> most likely. I just, I actually just started, I'm, read the first chapter of dune again um i am starting my reread before part two comes out this will probably take me all summer knowing my pace that i'm going to go at but um i've started that and i've only ever read that in dune messiah i do want to read children of dune we'll see how quickly i can get to that one but um yeah I, I just i don't think i'll probably ever branch out beyond the frank herbert books and i don't even know if i'll read all the frank herbert books but um yeah i, I just think it's really great to see you know, whatever people think of, you know, Brian Herbert and these prequel novels or, you know, spinoffs and, and whatnot, I think it's just nice to have, again, that, that uh, uh, if you want to pursue that, then it's there. And I think that's just nice to have, at least for now. Um, and uh, we'll see. Irulan and, and Chani, I think, is an interesting, you know, coin, uh, the two sides to to analyze and compare and contrast. So, very curious to see what people think of it um and if any of you read it I'd be curious to hear your thoughts and we, we will have a review up up and onto the site like um maybe around the time the book releases or, or a bit earlier so if, if people are you know in doubt whether this is something that they would be interested in like we can hopefully help you there, there there's actually going to be a lot of other books coming out uh, this year so not only the fiction books but there there's like about four or five books um that are talking about uh like 
the making of Dune or like the history of, of Dune. Uh, so we're going to be covering those in, in the coming uh, months as well as, as those get released and uh, probably get a, several interviews with, with some of the authors on, on the show as well. You know what's interesting? There's a coloring book that's coming out. I know I'm not kidding. Like if you do a search, there's actually a coloring book and the art on the cover looks amazing. So the nerd I am, I was like, sure, I'll buy a coloring book for 12 bucks on Amazon. Okay, then we go over to collectibles. Uh, Toy News International reported on a whole wave of uh, Dune action figures from uh, McFarland Toys. Uh, those are coming out in November. So these are based on listings at an overseas retailer and haven't been formally announced, uh, but the listing th themselves looks uh, legit. Um, includes uh, key characters, uh, Paul, Chani, Stilgar, and Gurney. And of course, we're getting figures from the new characters like Fade, uh, the Emperor, and Shishakli. Uh, Simon, I know you had all the figures from McFarland's Dune Part 1 set. What did you think of those overall? And which character are you most excited uh, from this uh, new wave? Well, most excited, I have to go with the Emperor because it might be our first look at him, honestly. It might, you know... Uh, Comic-Con is about a month away, and I feel like McFarlane at their booth will have these figures. Um, I like the first wave. My biggest problem with the McFarlane figures is you can't really pose them as much as you can with Hasbro figures. You know, if you're not familiar with McFarlane toys, they got their start in the late, early 90s when McF Todd McFarlane created Spawn. He said, hey, I want my own action figures for my comic line and then it became action figures for sports they became action figures for movies video games so he's grown a whole entire empire just off his name of the mcfarland figures in this new wave we don't get a bill of figure which in the first wave we got one and it was it was the beast roban figure that was really hard to get because you needed to buy all the figures also i don't know if you guys remember these figures when they came out in 2020 and they were just sitting on the shelves for a while because the movie got delayed a year. But the Baron is a huge, and I mean huge figure where it's like you can't even put him out anywhere because he'll just fall because of the weight on him. It's like it's a great figure. And if anyone from McFarland's watching this or listening to it, you guys did an amazing job. But it's just such a heavy figure. But I'm excited. Um, I feel like there's some possible spoilers in these figures, but like I said, the Emperor is the one that makes me go, hmm. Okay, so let's put and up yes, a... And yes, I will be buying all of them. <laughs> <laughs> it goes without saying, Simon. <laughs> okay, so we'll just put up a quick spoiler warning. So for the end of the discussion, we are going to like potential events for, for the movie. Uh, I'm saying potential, and of course, we're going to be discussing um, like parts of the ending of the original novel. So as part of that listing of figures, one of the two packs is titled uh, Fade Ralph and Paul Battle, right? Because we, we know that uh, Paul is going to fight Fade. But then there's another uh, two pack that has a very interesting title. It's the Gurney Halleck and Raban Battle. Hmm. Okay. Well, you know, it's <laughs> totally possible that this uh, doesn't reflect actual events in, in the movie, but given, you know, the, the rest of the figures do seem to seem to match the, the characters and the and the events, this could indicate that we are going to finally see uh, Gurney Halleck uh, get his revenge. So I know that, uh, Simon, you, you've, you've watched all of the previous adaptations as well, where uh, Raban meets his end in, in different ways. 
So like, how would you hope to see this come to play on screen? I, I think it would be great, actually, because if you go back and you read some of the Brian Herbert stuff, it does talk about how Gurney got his scar, and it is from Robon. So I think it would be great, and not the final battle with Paul and Faye, but like as they're attacking Eric Keen and getting back, you know, in it with the Fremens, I think it would be great kind of seeing that battle, them two go back and forth. And toys are so like, it could just be like, well, here's a good guy and a bad guy, you know, and or very much like the Faye and Paul thing. We know that's legit, but here's a two set. Like that when kids are buying these, which I don't know which kids would buy Dune toys. Um, <laughs> but you get a good guy and you get a bad guy. But at the same time, the 84 movie, I just looked before we recorded, you just see his head very much when the emperor walks in. Oh, what happened to Rabon? He got killed. Okay. I think the head is kind of creepy just by itself. In the miniseries, it was the Fremens that took him out. But I think creating the gurney Robon battle would be a great battle between those two actors. And it would create more, I don't want to say payback, but more drama when you first see Gurney talking about the Harkonnens and being like, you don't know what they're like. They're these beasts. And knowing that that's where he got his scar from, I think it's great. And you know, I think part two is going to be so action-packed, but also so grounded. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. What I'm very disappointed is Gurney does not come with a pug, apparently, in these figures. So, you know, Sting came with a cat in the 84 movie figures. He did. If you look up the Sting 84 figure, he has that weird cat, that David Lynch cat. And so I just want some gurney and some pug action. That's just me personally. Oh boy. I don't know about all that, Simon. But um from uh the other other side of the the debate here, I guess. Um I think that it makes I mean this has been speculated for a while. I mean, this has been speculated since before the first movie came out, was that you know it it makes sense and is more cinematic in a storytelling arc that you know gurney were to get his revenge against raban directly rather than raban being killed off screen or by you know random fremen whatever the case may be um so that's been something that has been i think on some people's minds for years at this point and then you know there is those images, the first images we got for Doom Part 2, and I tweeted about this <laughs> kind of slyly without giving anything away, but I mean, they look like they're in the same place at the same time, <laughs> and they're both covered in blood, and they both look very pissed off, and like, mm -hmm. something's going down. So, I think it's safe to say that there is going to be a direct conflict between these two. I don't think that's like even a bold prediction at this point, uh, or a hot take, and I think that that will make for a very cool badass fight scene between gurney halleck who's been a proven good, great fighter and warrior and uh raban who's been proven to be a complete savage and also a pretty deadly deadly figure as well so 
you know, we didn't get too much Raban in part one, and it's already been promised. It was speculated, and now it's been confirmed and promised that there's going to be a lot more uh, of Raban in, in part two. And I think a big chunk of Raban's presence is going to be during the actual battle at the end, where we know it's going to be the defense of Arakeen versus, you know, the Fremen. And, uh, you know, Gurney is a, a military commander. He's probably going to be leading some of the, the troops that are going to be uh, coming to the capital. And uh, I think it makes sense that they'll come in into conflict and I'm really hoping that we get to see, I don't know what weapons Gurney is going to have in this. Um, we know Raban and even looking at the photo that they released with Vanity Fair, you know, his, he has that machete like blade, this huge blade that he used to decapitate the um, uh, 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 Atreides soldiers in part one. So we know that he's going to be back uh, with that. And uh I don't know. I'm just, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, this is maybe sick of me, but uh, I'm hoping that we get just a nice, clean decapitation <laughs> on screen of uh, of Raban by Gurney, and we just see his head go, I'm just, I just, fingers crossed that there is a Dave Bautista prop head somewhere that they used for <laughs> Dune Part 2, uh, just, you know, sitting on the ground. Um, I, I just think that there, there could be something really, I think that would be a very crowd pleasing moment if you will in a movie that probably isn't going to have at least on the back end probably that many crowd pleasing moments at least in the traditional sense um so they they probably do need to beef up the action and and uh violence maybe a little bit i had two thoughts on this the first one is is what would frank herbert think of this because frank herbert does leave kind of some he he leaves some things up to the reader, you know, to kind of fill in the gaps, especially the second half of that of of the Dune book. So you know, he he isn't ultra descriptive with every single character action, or or the 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 detail around that character action every time, even though we we hear their thoughts on the page. So my, my first question would be, well, what would Frank Herbert think of that if Villeneuve really is going to, to have, uh, you know, the Gurney-Raban battle to the death? Um, and then the other thought I have is, you know, we haven't, the movie, part one hasn't explained, you know, the backstory of, of where Gurney came from, where the Inkvine Scar came from. We know he hates the Harkonnen because he was very clear and, and dramatic about that. At the very beginning of part one, um, when he's talking to Paul in the training room, but you would also, I mean, I, Villeneuve's a much better writer, and 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 the screenwriters are much more skilled than me. But you would need to fill in some of that stuff to create the details so that we really we really see this as a revenge. We really see this as Gurney being able to um destroy the person that hurt him so deeply and and uh hurt his his family and and him and so i i would i would be curious to know how long is this part two going to be because you're going to have to fill in a lot of that detail in my opinion to make that feel complete now i guess you could keep it at a high sort of level or, or rather a shallow level of this is just an example, a simple example of, of Gurney getting revenge on Harkonnen as a whole, and specifically Raban, uh, yeah. who is kind of the, the, the manifestation of that evil uh, next to, to his uncle, the Baron. But um, 
Yeah, I think it does make sense from a cinematic standpoint. Um, I, I, I'm a little torn as to whether Villeneuve is filling in a little too much, maybe, uh, if I put my my canon hat on of being true to the book. But <laughs> it would be it would be awesome to see it. There's just no no question. Aaron, I know Denis has not has officially said there's no director's cut, <laughs> but I think maybe when part two comes out, we might get the ultimate cut. So let's start that hashtag. <laughs> release the vanilla. The, I can't even say it. Release the Denis cut. I actually think we're going to get an expanded cut eventually when maybe both of them are out on home release as kind of like one master cut. Garen, yeah, yeah, to your point, I think, you know, you raised some valid concerns, I guess, because you're right, there isn't a whole lot laid down in part one as far as a direct connection between those two characters. And Raban doesn't have very much, you know, presence in the movie, of course. Um, yeah, so I do wonder what extra material can they put in there? Um, you know, I'm sure there's there's obviously, as you said, there's ways that they can do that. But, you know, um, yeah, there could be a surface level way of going about it where it's not as detailed as, oh, this is the guy that did this to me and my family or something. Um, it could be you know, more, more broad. But um, I could also see... There's a flashback to Gurney surviving on Arrakis and saying, I'm not leaving. Raban's here and he killed my family and gave me this scar. Like, it, you know, there's ways that they can definitely go about it. And I'm not saying that's how they will. But yeah, very interested to see how they decide. And as you mentioned, how long is this movie going to be? <laughs> because it does seem like there was quite a bit, you know. It's it's so interesting because, again, I have to reread the book. I've only read it a couple times and it's been a, a few years. But there's a lot, but then there's also not a lot, like on the page, um, at least in actual plot, plot, you know what I mean? Um, so I'm, I am very curious to see how much is brand new material that they're creating for this, this story. The Irulan stuff is probably a great example. We know they're filling in some blanks there. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just, I kind of love part of why I like this idea is because it makes me wonder more about like the overall story and like the character beats that they're going to hit with Raban and, and Gurney in this instance, but just overall, because there is, yeah, there, there are spaces where they may just decide to leave it kind of a little bit more uh, surface level or they more, or they may expand certain things and give more detail. But I think Gurney, you know, I don't think he's going to be a small presence in the movie necessarily. I think he'll be just as significant as he was in part one, um, in some ways, I think at least once he shows up, he's going to be a key player, you know, helping Paul and, um, certainly during the last probably hour of the movie, which is probably going to be pure, pure battle, I would imagine. Um, which again, it's so hard for me to imagine. I mean, in part one, we got some incredible action and just like the, the spectacle of the attack on Eric Keen and, and, and the, the sandworm harvester attack, um, but it's just so hard for me to conceive of what this is all going to look like because it's never really been done before, at least for Dune and like, you know, say what you want about the 84 version and the mini series, but, uh, you know, we we have high expectations about what this is going to look like in Gurney versus Raban is going to be just a small part of that, but 
um, yeah, definitely, definitely gets the, the mind <laughs> working to think of uh, all the possibilities. And remember, it could be an easy shot of Gurney just looking at Pawn being like, let me get Raban and just point the scar and kind of like, if you know, you know, and awesome. Or it could just be two action figures, good guy versus bad guy, <laughs> and just spend the last 10 minutes <laughs> rambling on about a scene that will never happen. But I, I did look at those two pictures, Johnny. And when you look at them side by side, you're like, yeah. It's going down. It's going down. I just know Batista's going to have a great little snarl for when he sees Gurney on the battlefield. <laughs> and that'll tell us, that'll tell the audience everything they need to know about their, this relationship. <laughs> yeah, and I think that comes comes back to the point that we, we've mentioned a few times when we were doing the, the review of Dune Part One movie that there, there are things that do happen off screen, right? So like you know there there are like scenes that that didn't make it into the, the first uh, first movie. There are probably scenes that aren't going to make it into this movie, but like in in a way, if if you've read the book, if you know the story, you can still imagine them happening uh, off screen. And um, like in in this example of Gurney Halleck, they they did choose to reap re or like publish those comic books talking about what what Gurney was doing in those uh, years in, in between. So they clearly are building up to, uh, to something that, that they chose those uh, specifically. But yeah, it, it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting because like this whole battle, it, it basically happens off screen in, in the book, right? Uh, and uh, Villeneuve has clearly indicated, well, there's this big battle that happens at, at the end of the book. Clearly, you know, on, on screen, it's gonna be a different story. We're gonna get to see a, a lot of interesting stuff. I, I was pulling up like the sentence in the book like where where you learn Raban is, is dead. It's basically like nine words. Uh, Stilgar cleared his throat, said, Raban too is dead. That, that, that's basically <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, classic Frank. So let me, let me just speculate a little bit more on that. So uh, Villeneuve described part two as an epic war movie. Okay. <laughs> so we're, we're talking like Saving Private Ryan or, you know, we're... we're so you wouldn't but use that, you wouldn't use that phrase if it wasn't going to have a lot of action, a lot of battle, a lot of fighting, right? But yet, on the page in the book, Frank Herbert didn't describe it in very much detail. There's just a few parts that he describes, right? So Villeneuve has to fill in with his own creative license and and create these battle sequences. Mm. So if he's doing that then maybe he's doing the same thing with the line you just read, Marcus, of how Raban dies, which is little to no information. So he's going to fill that, Vilna's going to fill in with that, and he's going to use his creative uh, flexibility to then have this battle between Raban and, and uh, Gurney. So it kind of goes along with what he's going to have to do to make part two work as a complete whole war movie. Yeah, and go, going back to this being adaptation, so there, there are going to be differences, right? Because if we do have this this battle between uh, Gurney and, and Raban, then obviously, like that that part at the end uh, in the book, then that doesn't fit anymore because there is this, the part where uh, where Paul's about to fight uh, Fade, and Gurney actually wants to wants to fight Fade, and he's like, "You promised me a Harkonnen," and uh, and um, like like you you see that Paul realizes that he's really angry, that he he's he's enraged. And like uh, Gurney's like, you owe it to me, my lord. And you know, like there's that the discussion between uh, Paul and, and Gurney. So, so that obviously it wouldn't fit in anymore. So like, but yeah, it's 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 an adaptation, and I, I I totally 
make makes sense that they're like going for a cinematic a, a approach like that it, it makes a really good good story on screen i mean i can speculate for another hour guys <laughs> <laughs> well, well well i know for the the mcu fans and the uh viewership we'll finally get the thanos versus drax fight that we never <laughs> ever got so that'll be that'll be fun nonetheless i think that is part of i mean that is a good incentive i feel like if nothing else for Villeneuve is he obviously already had this conception maybe of these characters in a showdown but having these two big actors that people like and you know they're pretty badass uh roles i think it'll be it'll be a i'm just i'm so excited to see this in imax like just thinking worms and thopters and fremen and and a starter car it's gonna be if they pull it off it's gonna be uh, unbelievable um and obviously we have seen very little if anything so far from that so i just love knowing that there's so much to to come obviously i actually think this whole entire thing is just promotion for the new street fighter where it's gurney versus um like i was gonna say drax uh, <laughs> versus Raban. It's just promotional for a new video game, the Doom Street Fighter edition. Hey, I'd buy it. I, I would buy it too. Yeah, so that's a good note to close off on. So yeah, like we we've we've seen quite a bit of exciting stuff already, but in actuality we haven't seen that much. And just knowing that you know there, there could be all these different uh, fight scenes and like all these um like even when we're speculating about like what what is princess irlan doing and you know like some expanded things i think even for for people who are very familiar with the story from the book that there will be a number of surprises like like there were several in, in dune part uh part one hey this is simon uh you can follow me on socials at s dowdy pretty much everywhere um and honestly it's part of the fun just counting down till the movie comes out crazy theories i'm curious to go into the future and see how close we were to this in November if or if we were totally wrong. So please, you know, like, subscribe. And thank you for everyone that's having the conversation on YouTube. We really appreciate it. Yes, Johnny Sobchek here. Thank you all once again for joining us and supporting uh, the team here. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, etc. Johnny Sobchek. And uh, it's going to be a fun few months. Summer, summer's starting up now and by the time summer's over, it'll be Dune season, so it's gonna be a gonna be a good year. Uh, just excited to be in the discussion, and I think we might have to have an accountability on all our speculation in the, the end of November just to see how <laughs> we did. But um, yeah, just happy for the support. Appreciate all of your comments, and and uh, just happy to have you along for the ride. Yeah, this is uh, Marcus Gabriel. You can find me at Marcus is writing. And uh, yeah, shout out to, to all the new subscribers and uh, yeah, thanks for, for all the support. Uh, stay tuned with us uh, here for, uh, for more shows coming in the upcoming weeks and uh, stay tuned as well to donewsnet.com, uh, the website and on social media for all the latest uh, breaking news and more. So uh, yeah, see you all next time. We hope you've enjoyed Dune Talk. Remember to like, Subscribe and turn on notifications so you know when the next episode drops. Stay tuned to DuneNewsNet.com and add us to your social feeds. Be the first to hear breaking news and reviews.
Okay, so let's see. Yeah, so we're gonna be talking. We're gonna be t- talking about <laughs> Animal Animal Crossing this week, right? <laughs> Wait, we're not doing the Animal Crossing show we're anymore. We're not doing Animal Crossing this time, Simon. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's gonna be a little bonus at the end of the show after the credits. I just wanted you guys. Your reactions. Unless, unless you have a little Muad'Dib character, then that'll work. <laughs> Juan. <laughs>